for the last now three weeks, we've been in this collection called In This House. And uh, the idea, uh, the heart of In This House was really talking about what does it mean uh, to call this house the Becoming Church home? What does it mean to be connected uh, to this church? And the first week we kicked it off with a conversation uh, called uh, We Believe in Church. We Believe in the Church. And the heart of that message uh, was, was this truth. Um, we can't separate Jesus from the church. You know, oftentimes it's, it's said this, and I understand the many reasons why, but it's said that, uh, hey, I love Jesus, but you can keep his church. But the reality is, family, Jesus is the head of his church, and we are the body. And so you can't separate the head from the body. It's going to be difficult to function that way. And so uh, I want to encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to check that out, uh, go to YouTube uh, with the Becoming Church, and you can uh, search and connect with it that way. Um, or if you hadn't downloaded the app, shameless plug, do that today. Apple Store or Google Play, we're there, and uh, it's available there as well. Um, but then last week, we talked about this, we believe in worship. And the heart of that conversation was that worship it isn't a set list, it's not a playlist on Apple or Spotify or anything like that. Uh, but it is, that's a part of it, like we just sang some songs, that's a part of it. But it's much more than that. It's a life that is marked by surrender. It's, it's a posture of, of surrendering, surrendering every moment, every detail, every aspect of your life uh, to the Lord. And today, uh, in this final um, conversation of this collection, uh, we're going to be talking about this, we believe in prayer. So you can look to your neighbor and say, we believe in prayer. Five of you know that we believe in prayer. <laughs> it's like prayer is one of those topics people like, are we talking about prayer? Ah, you know, it's like we're going to have a prayer service, five people show up, right? But we're going to talk about that in just a minute. And help us guide us in this conversation. We're going to use uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, if you have a Bible, you can flip with me there or scroll with me there. Or you can uh, track with me on the screen just right here behind me. And it says this in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, did we just pray? Are we going to pray again? We're going to pray again. Would y'all pray with me? Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, your love, and your mercy. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we get to gather around your word today. Thank you for this moment. God, I pray that we don't take it lightly or for granted this opportunity that we have to gather and assemble together in this space, Lord around your word and to worship together and to be together. And so, Lord, I pray over these next few moments, God, that you incline our ears. Allow us to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. God, open our eyes. Allow us to see what it is that you're showing us, Lord. And so we say this, speak, Lord, because your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Family, parenting is, yes, mm, 
you tracking with me already. Parenting is a journey. And for Katie and I, we have, we have tried to do the right thing. We have tried to, to lead the kids in the way that they should go so that when they get older, they will not depart from it. We're, we're trying that. We, we do our best to live that, not just believe it, but we also do our best uh, to live that out. And one of the areas that we have attempted to live it out is training up the kids in terms of faith, right? Now, we know they're young, and so there are some things that, you know, they don't fully understand, they don't fully grasp, but we can teach them. We can lead them in the way that they should go. And one of those areas that we've started, that, not like now, but that we've been started with, uh, is the area of prayer. We're trying to teach them uh, from a young age to pray. So as a family, uh, we pray together before we leave in the morning, and then uh, as we get everybody for bed, uh, we pray at night. Now, in those moments with kids, you know, it, it can be anything. It's some really good moments in terms of praying, especially when they want to pray. And, you know, it's like, man, that was kind of powerful. Like, I, I understood the words that you were saying. Other times, I'm just going to be honest, it's a complete mess. It's just a disaster. And you're like, what are you talking about? It's because it's like, all right, the prayer goes something like this. Lord, um, God, if um, when mommy and uh, daddy, when they uh, go to Target's, take the S off, son. When they go to Target's, um, can they go to aisle 22? Because, uh, you know, there was the Paw Patrol, uh, the lookout, but not the regular one. I need the, the, the deluxe one. Um, the mighty pups one, and, and amen. And you're like, bruh, you are just trying to tell us what you want. Like, that's not how this works. But at the end of the day, I still love it because it's this idea that I can talk to God about anything. So I'm like, there's nothing too small, nothing too big. Go for it. I love it. But no, I'm not getting the Paw Patrol Look out. Sometimes the Lord is just like, nah, bro, I got, like we said earlier, I got something different. But at least they're praying. And the cool part is, one of, is when one of them trips, falls, or, or bump their head, they come to us, especially when they were younger, uh, they come to us and they ask, uh, would you pray over it? And that's really cool. And Katie and I, we've never, like, babied those moments, but we tried to be intentional in those moments and, like, really pray. And what I love about it, and maybe, maybe they're reminding you and I of something, when we would pray, when they would fall or scratch the knee or bump their head, we would always ask, so how does it feel? Does it feel better? And they would respond, yes. Now, we can just chalk that up as like, well, you weren't hurt in the first place. But I'm choosing to think this. Maybe it really did hurt. But they say, like, you know, mommy and daddy, they say we can trust Jesus. They say we can talk to Jesus. They say that Jesus can heal us of sickness. He can heal us of these little uh, uh, trips and falls and all these things. And so mommy prayed to Jesus and mommy says that Jesus hears us. So my knee was hurting. Then we prayed to Jesus. We asked him to heal it. And he really did. What if we prayed that way, family? That the things we say are not just words that we're shooting up to the sky, 
but we actually have the faith to believe what we're praying. Maybe they're showing us something. Maybe they're reminding us that we do have a Father in heaven who hears us. Because I believe this. If I took a poll and asked how many of us would agree that prayer is important, I think most of our hands would go up. But I'm going to challenge us with this question. How come so many of us don't do it? How come so many of us, prayer has been one of those things like, oh, oh, yeah. You know, we all know that we need to pray, but perhaps maybe the reason why many of us don't, come on, let's be honest this morning, is because we simply don't enjoy it. I just freeze some people with that statement right there. See, for some of us, prayer is a discipline and not a delight. Prayer is a have to and not a get to. Now listen, as I say all of that, it doesn't mean that you don't love God. It could just be after three minutes, you're like, bro, I've said all I, I got in me. I don't know what else to say. Or maybe you're like, you know, like, hey, I don't even know how to begin. Look at Ephesians 6, 18. It says this, pray in the spirit in every situation. Use every kind of prayer and request there is. For the same reason, be alert. Use every kind of effort and make every kind of request for all of God's people. Listen, prayer for you may be a struggle because you see it as this, this long, laborious task. But look what Paul is saying right here. He is saying to pray in every situation. Like, listen, we have situations every day, which means the day itself presents moments and opportunities for prayer. We just got to look for them. We just got to be intentional with it. Here's one. Pray in the car on your way to work. When you, when, when you have your first break at work, pray. When you take lunch, pray, right? Prayer doesn't have to be something that we just look at as bookends for the day. I'm going to pray in the morning, and I'm going to pray at the end of the day, probably at 1.30 because I fell asleep on the couch. So when I get up, I'm going to say, Lord, thank you for this day, and go ahead, go back to sleep. <laughs> but prayer can be something that we engage in throughout the day. And then Paul, he also says to use every kind of prayer and request there is, meaning that there is more than one way to pray. There are different styles and guides in which to pray. And before I go any further, I don't want to assume that when I say pray that everyone even understands what it means to pray. But one of the best ways to put it very quickly is this. Prayer is an exchange. Prayer is when you exchange your heart and your thoughts to God. And in the process, you capture his heart and his thoughts. So it's simply saying like, Lord, this is how I feel today. Lord, this is what I'm going through today. Lord, this is what I think about this. This is how this situation has caused me to, to feel. And, and you release that and you be honest with that. One thing about prayer is like the Lord already knows it. So there's no sense in trying to sanitize the prayer. So just go ahead and be real and express how you feel. Because vulnerability will bring you revelation in more ways than being fake can. Right? Because God wants to hear the real you, not the pretend you, not the fake you. And so when you make these exchanges, just let them have it. But here's what you do. Because prayer is a conversation. You stop and you pause. And you just listen to what he has to say. And that's that moment where you can begin to capture his heart 
and his thoughts. But I want to back up to something I said earlier about how we can pray throughout the day. Here's, Here's a practical way, right? Sometimes we think we make prayer this long, laborious thing. But what if you just took time, say, you know what? I'm going to set an alarm for every hour, and I'm going to pray 30 seconds of that hour. You're praying all day at that point. But sometimes we think, man, i got to pray for one hour straight. I'm going to be honest. I don't have an hour, hour straight to pray. i got three kids. And at the stage of life we're at, that ain't happening because somebody is coming. You say, well, I thought you'd get up early. I do. But then they, they just they got these powers, man. Like they know I'm up early, and so then they get up early. No, no, this is not a joke. Like I will be sitting uh, in the office at home, and one of the bedrooms is upstairs. And I'm sitting there. I'm sitting in my chair. And I hear noise. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, Lord. How can, they, how can this be? I just wanted to talk to you. So set an alarm throughout the day. 30 seconds. You thank God we'll get into what even that looks like. But 30 seconds on every hour. And look just how much your prayer life has already changed. But again, God gives us multiple ways, multiple styles or different guides to express those thoughts, to express our heart to him. And so I'm going to go through these really quickly. One way is the tabernacle of prayer. The tabernacle was the dwelling place of God. And so as people enter it, they would pass through seven stations to experience God's presence. And so this prayer model, the tabernacle prayer, uh, it, it walks us through each station of the tabernacle. And you can use that, uh, the purpose of each of those stations as a way to help guide your prayers. So I want to encourage you, look that up, research that, and you can use that as a model to, to pray. There's praying scripture. Come on. How many of you guys know that if you're going to pray, pray the infallible word of God, right? Pray what he has already said to see what he said you can have and how you can live. The prayer of Jabez, praying of a prayer of blessing and influence and the presence of God and the protection of God or warfare prayers. Listen, prayer isn't just communion with God, but sometimes it's confrontation with the enemy, but also Praying for those in need. That all your prayers are not about, you know, you and yours. But it's thinking about the people to the left of you, to the right of you, your coworkers and those that uh, you're, you're doing life with. But the next one I say for last, and it is the Lord's Prayer. And perhaps the Lord's Prayer is a prayer that many of us are familiar with. Maybe you learned it growing up as a kid. And maybe even before uh, you learned John 3.16, like you knew the Lord's Prayer. It was the first thing you memorized when it comes to faith. And uh, <laughs> it's like um, Zoe, our, our daughter, our youngest and last. Um, <laughs> but, you know, one of the boys, a half, like, you know, they'll trip or fall and... Uh, Katie would be like, oh, why don't you go pray over them? And she'd go over there and she'd be like, our father, which <laughs> like she just, she's like, oh, pray, that's what we do. So it's just, you know, but it's just one of the things you learn early on as a kid. But the Lord's Prayer should perhaps to, to well, let me back up and say this. It has more power than just something that we memorize and something that we recite. And so what I want us to do today, I want us to go through each area of the prayer or each part of the prayer 
uh, to see the power that's contained in it. In these seven days of prayer each morning, this is what we're going to be praying through uh, as well. And so to give a little context to the text, uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13 is known as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but perhaps it should be called the disciples' prayer for this reason. That's who the Lord was teaching it to. That's who Jesus was teaching it to. He was teaching it to the disciples, or in essence, you and I, because that's who we are if we're followers of Jesus. We're, we're disciples. We're, we are apprenticing under him, the rabbi. Now, he didn't, Jesus didn't give this prayer for the purpose of memorizing it and reciting it. But rather, he gave it as a way to pray, as a form to pray. So Jesus, he doesn't even say like, yo, pray these exact words. He doesn't say that. Instead, what he is doing, he's saying, pray after this manner. Pray in this way. Use this as an example, not as a substitute. So the Lord's Prayer, here's what it does. It connects us to God. It aligns our priorities with his priorities, and it teaches us to live completely independently on him. And so the first part that we're going to take a look at uh, today is this. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Connect with God relationally. And so when the prayer kicks off, it says, our Father. It begins with our Father in heaven. From the very beginning, what's happening It's reminding us, listen, that we are not alone, but we are connected to a body of believers. And again, I'm not going to re-preach week one of this, but that's why we've got to ask the power of the Holy Spirit to help us if any of us are dealing with church hurt or know someone who is because we weren't intended to live life alone that we've got to be connected to the body. And when Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he's reminding us just of that. When he says, our Father, reminding us that, look, we need to connect with God relationally. And know this, you have brothers and sisters in Christ, that we've been adopted into the family of faith. And so when we come to God in prayer, remember, you're not coming to an idea. You're not coming to a concept or a force, but you are coming to the Father. You're coming to the one who knows it all, who holds it all, who controls it all. You're not coming to the stars. You're not coming to the, the, the ancestors. You're not coming to any of anything that culture is trying to disciple us into today. But you are coming to the Father Romans 8.15 reminds us, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And I don't know what your relationship is or may have been with your earthly father, but listen, family, you have a heavenly father who wants to connect with you relationally. And when you begin to speak to him, remember that he is your father. Are you tracking with me this morning? The next part of this prayer, of the the Lord's Prayer, or the disciples' prayer, if you will, it says this, hallowed be your name, which reminds us when we're praying, man, worship his name. As we talked about last week, we were created to worship. Worship is when we ascribe worth to Jesus. It's when we recognize the worthiness of who God is. 
that it's not about what he can do. It's not about what he's done. And listen, he can do much and, and he's done much. But, but worship is that moment where we stop, pause, and we simply ascribe worth for who he is. There's so much that's contained in the name of our Lord. And, and, what, and, and something that reminds us of this is in Exodus when God calls Moses. So he calls Moses to lead the children of Israel out of captivity uh, in Egypt. And you got to understand, in that time and culture, it was polytheistic. So they, they served or worshiped multiple gods, which prompted Moses to ask uh, God this question. So um, who do I tell them is sending me? Is they going to want a name? And the Lord says, I am. And Moses is like, okay, bro, that's cool. But there's a lot of I am's around. You know, they're like Michaels and Matthews. Like, what's your last name? Because that would be, you know, the thing to let people know. <laughs> and God's like, that I am. But here's what he was saying. He was like, yo, I cannot be boxed in. That, listen, Moses, I'm going to be every single thing you need me to be. I'm going to be what you need me to be when you don't even know what you need me to be. I'm going to be that. And he's telling you and I today, like, yo, I'm going to be what you need. You don't even know what you have need of, but all of who I am and, and what you need from me is contained in my name. That he is God, our righteousness. He makes us clean. He's God, our sanctifier. He has called us to live set apart. He is God, our healer. He heals all our diseases. He is God, our banner of victory. He has defeated our enemies. He is God, our shepherd. He speaks to us and he leads us. He is God, our peace. He is our peace in every single storm. And he is God, our provider, meaning he supplies everything we need, family. Don't box God in, but he is every single thing that we need. So when you pray, understand the name that you're praying to. It's not an idea. It's not a concept, but it is the most powerful name that just at the mention of his name, every knee bows, every tongue profess that he is Lord. Everything will pass away. But listen, family, there is nothing bigger, stronger, more powerful in the name of our Lord. The Bible tells us that the name of our God is a strong tower, that when the righteous run into it, they are saved. The name of the Lord is not weak. So you know what you need to do? Speak out the name of the Lord. Speak it out loud who he is. Because not only is it worship, but it is a reminder that he is a healer, that he is a deliverer. That he will move mountains. That he will make ways out of nowhere. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but you've been struggling, dealing over all different issues and struggles in your life. But you're forgetting the name of the Lord that is bigger than what you're facing. And you're like, yeah, would I just say Jesus? Listen, as you continue to trust him and to come to him, he will reveal the practical steps that you need to do. But if you're just ignoring that as just some religion jargon, then you miss the power that's actually contained in his name. If there's no power in his name, then why do wars and division and everything start around that name? How come I can't hop on a plane, go to certain countries that I can mention right now, and they not want to take me out because I mentioned his name? 
because there's power in that name. And there are forces that we don't see that understand that. And they want to do everything that we can to limit the speaking and the living and the declaring out of that name. Worship his name. Remember that when you pray. Another part of the Lord's Prayer is this. It reminds us this when we pray of what we should do. Take the back seat. It says this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, one of the ways to check if we're about kingdom is to check our prayers. Ask this question, are all of our prayers about us? Are we only concerned with me, myself, and I? And listen, I'm not saying that there's a problem with praying to God, you know, on your behalf. But know this, family, we've been called to pray for one another. We've been called to be kingdom-minded, not self-minded. That's why Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Like, focus on what God is focused on. And don't think that you talking to God about what he's concerned about in terms of others and people and all this means that God will not speak to whatever area of your life needs spoken to. Nah, he's got you as well, right? So when you pray, pray for justice. Pray for the salvation of the lost. Pray for the poor and marginalized. Pray and believe God for unity. Pray and believe God for love. And pray for freedom for those who are in bondage. Pray for those that the Lord has allowed to be authority over us, whether you voted for them or not. All right? And pray that the Lord's purpose is accomplished and lived out in our lives. Be kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused. And as you pray, remember this. It's the prayer says this. We're just tracking through the prayer this morning. Y'all tracking with me? The prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, he has everything you need. You know, going back to the kids, I love how their minds work. Because they assume, like, yo, if it exists, then that means there's access. So when they want something, they're not considering the price. Nope. They're not considering the distance that it takes to get to wherever they want or whatever the case may be. They just make the request because in their mind, dad has it. <laughs> Listen, family, the children, again, they are showing us something. They are showing us what we need, God, that our heavenly father, that what we need, he has it. He's made a promise to supply all of our needs. Know this, he is a provider. And I love how the prayer says daily that he gives us this day our daily bread. Meaning, you may not know how today, how what you're going to need tomorrow will be there. But trust God that when tomorrow becomes today, what you need will be there. Because God has already made a promise to supply it. So here's what I'm saying. Like, steward well, use wisdom, but sometimes put the pen in the calculator and the visor away because your math is just not going to add up like the Lord's math. Because even if you got your spreadsheets and you got it down to the wire or whatever it is, like he's got ways that he's working that family, we, we, frankly, we can't work. Now, don't take that statement. Just go do what you want. Oh, man, look, 
Charge it, charge it, charge it. Absolutely. He going to work it out. He going to supply. You didn't need that shirt. You didn't need those shoes. Get off the app. You didn't need that. So that is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we got to know, even if things don't make sense, whatever needs you have in your life, and every need is not, you know, financial, every need that you have in your life, like God can supply that. And he can supply it even if you don't know how, because that's just who he is. You know, the children of Israel, like the manna was just there. Don't, be, don't try to keep nothing overnight. It's going to be there tomorrow. Daily, he's going to provide what you need. He's Jehovah Jireh, which means this. He's God, our provider. And like we talked about Abraham last week, when he was getting ready uh, to slay the boy, the angel of the Lord appeared. was like, yo, don't touch him. And then he made him aware that there's a ram in the bush, meaning just when you need the provision of the Lord, he provides it in that moment. But what needs to come before that? Obedience. Because Abraham was obedience, obedient. He trusted God. And his obedience gave way for the provision. And that principle is still true today. Obedience precedes provision. I love how Psalm 121 says this. It says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? And it goes on almost to say, nah, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So what am I trying to say? Don't be afraid to ask God for what you need because he's got it. The prayer goes on to say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And here's the point. Forgive and be forgiven. Or maybe a better way to say it, forgiven people forgive people. And this conversation, it seems like we've been here a lot these last couple of weeks talking about forgiveness, but I think there's a reason for that. There's a reason why this topic of forgiveness has consistently come up. Because us choosing to forgive those who have hurt us, offended us, disappointed us, or whatever, it is so vital to our spiritual formation because it is difficult and hard to be spiritually connected to God in the way that he desires when we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts. And the reason I believe it's difficult is because it's completely opposite of who he is because we can't be a forgiven person denying the forgiveness of others because he has forgiven us. So we're holding things and hurt and disappointment. And I get it. Please hear me. I get it. I'm not trying to diminish it at all. But at the end of the day, family, we can't harbor that and then expect to be spiritually connected to God because he's sitting back like, why haven't you forgiven them? And you're like, because they hurt me and I'm mad about it. And he's like, do you know what I did for you? He's like, now I've forgiven them, and, and they're casting the sea of forgiveness, and I've forgiven as far as from the east and the west. But, I mean, if we could pull up. Remember 1997? Remember 2012? Remember yesterday? <laughs> Forgiving people, forgive people. Now, I know some of us, we struggle with unforgiveness. I think because we keep trying to do it 
on our own rather than asking God to help you. <laughs> you, need, you need help because they did, they, it was wrong. It was hurtful. It was painful. But stop trying to forgive in your own power, but instead ask God to help you. Like forgive by the power of the Holy Spirit, not from the supply of your brokenness. Don't try to forgive from your emptiness. Don't try to forgive from your brokenness, but forgive from the power of the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to do things in and of ourselves that we can't do. And maybe you're a better Christian than I, but sometimes I don't want to forgive folks. <laughs> I don't. I'm like, nah, you, you, done. Scratch the name off. Don't need you, don't know you, whatever. Too honest. <laughs> but the Lord was like, yo, what you doing? I was like, I know, I know, I know. I was, ah, you know, I got to get back in the boundaries. I understand. <laughs> but he gives you the ability that in and of yourself you can't do or don't want to do. And speaking about don't want to do, look, we don't have to be slaves to, like, our feelings, to our flesh, you say, so religious word. Like, you don't have to be slaves to just what you want to do, to your own desires. You can say no. And sometimes, and I say that because sometimes we just don't want to forgive somebody. It's just because, like, you just don't want to. But you're not controlled, like, by these desires. You're not controlled by your flesh, but you can live in the freedom of the Lord. You know, sometimes with Christianity or just with the faith in general, people think like it's this thing about all the things that you can't do. And it's not really a lifestyle of freedom. But in reality, family saying yes to Jesus is a lifestyle of freedom. Because just like you would say about your kids or nieces, nephews, little cousins or whatever, you would say that they need guardrails to protect them to, from not getting into things that they don't need to get into. So then why do we think that we don't need that? And so when we live that um, in, in the way of Jesus, it actually gives us more freedom and a better way of living rather than living like, well, well, I can do this, that, and the other, whatever I want to do. Actually, you're not free. You're actually slave to whatever you want to do. And we're going to talk about that actually next week. So let me get back on track. But choose forgiveness. Remember this, family. I'm tracking through this as we continue to pray through this prayer. It says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As you pray, remember, it's a battle. Ephesians 6.12 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Family, the Bible is very clear that we have an enemy who is trying to steal from us, who is trying to kill us, and trying to destroy us. But let us be reminded, so like when these little annoyances come up throughout the day, little things and kids keep getting sick and, and this happened and one person that like, oh, your relationship was cool and now all of a sudden that's weird and that's different. These are not just little things that are happening. This is an enemy who is there, who is real and who is standing against us. But here's what he misses is that there is a God who stands for us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? Come on, get that. You don't have to live as if you are defeated. 
no matter what you're facing or what you're going through. Because even though it is a battle, it is not a battle for victory. You are fighting and moving from a position of victory. The only thing that the enemy could ever do is to try to trip us up and forget that fact. So we just got to stop tolerating things. And you said, man, that's, all, that's so religious and uh, uh, uh. But no, sometimes throughout the day, I'm like, yo, the devil is a liar. Not today. This is not how this is going to go down. We will start a school year without all this sickness. These kids will listen and be obedient. And we got to call a thing how we see it. Because scripture reminds us, sometimes in church on a Sunday morning, we want to avoid this stuff. But the scriptures here, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces and evil in heavenly places. So he is reminding us we got to put on the armor of God. We got to put it on. We got to carry the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Why would you have a weapon and not use it? Use the word of God. No, my family will be healed. My family will be delivered. That, that, that I'm, I, I will live as a conqueror. I will not live this defeated life. Use the word of God. And out of every part of the armor, it is the word of God that is Offensive. Everything else is offensive, whether it's the helmet, the breastplate, all that. It's, it's defensive, but it's the sword that is offensive, meaning you ain't got time to be waiting on nothing. You take, I'm, I'm bringing it to you. Where you at? Right? I'm taking it because we're taking ground. You're not taking ground. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. What is that saying, family? Trust in God's ability. Sometimes on this side of history, we forget, not intentionally, I don't think, that the same God who created this all is the same God that we serve today. That the God who parted the seas is the same God that we serve today. The God that gave sight to the blind is the same God today. The God who called the lame to walk is the same God today. Here is the point. If he was capable then, then guess what? He is capable now. He can move in any and every situation. So trust in his ability. And as I close with this, be reminded that all authority belongs to God. All mightiness flows from him. All glory belongs to him. Trust in his ability. Trust in his power. Now, I don't want to just sit here or stand here today and then give you what may seem like all these spiritual principles. Yes, this is important, but I also want to give you, okay, some practical uh, way to live this out. Because sometimes on a Sunday morning, you're like, oh, that was good, and we, ah, we got it on that point. Now what? And a lot of times we put the spiritual and the practical against themselves, but no family, they work together. And so here is a practical way to live this out as we're embarking on these seven days of prayer. And again, after these seven days are over, don't be like, bet, I'm good. (laughs) But to create a lifestyle of this. So here's what you can do. 
have a certain time. Meaning this, make an appointment with God. Literally, put it in your phone. You can go to your clock and set an appointment. Every day. I got all kind of reminders in here. All kind of things that I remind myself to do. Just go ahead. Set an appointment with the Lord. Have a certain place. Now, I'm not saying you got to be all super religious and like ritual about this at all. But sometimes having a certain place is a place that others in your house know, hey, when they over there, don't mess with them. You could call that your prayer closet. You can call that the upper room, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But have a certain place because it helps you remove distractions. And then lastly, have a certain plan. Maybe add worship and scripture to your prayer time. So maybe you look at it like, man, the first 15. I'm going to spend five minutes in worship. I'm going to spend five minutes in the word, in scripture. And then I'm going to spend five minutes praying. Don't worry about an hour. Just begin. Just start. And what you're going to see is over time, the ability is going to continue to grow and to develop. But have a certain time, have a certain place, and have a certain plan. And here's the thing that I want you to get this morning. Prayer is most effective when it's not something that we do every now and then, but when it's a lifestyle that we cultivate, that we're cultivating a prayer life, a lifestyle of prayer, that prayer is not this last resort option, but it's a first response choice. So in a minute, I'm going to give an opportunity. For those of you who don't know Jesus, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give an opportunity for you to respond to that. And then before we leave here, we're going to take communion together. And the reason why we do it this way, not communion earlier uh, in in the worship segment, uh, corporate worship segment, is because communion is reserved for the believer. And so listen, if you're not a believer in here this morning, I know they may have given you one of these. You You don't have to take it. And you don't have to be ashamed of that. Please don't. And, and no one's shaming you of that. But you can continue to show up. You can continue to be here. And, and then one day, if you know, as the Lord is doing the work on your, on your heart, because I can't, you know, manipulate you or trick you into something. I would never try that anyway. But when you're ready to say yes, because we're all on a spiritual journey and we're at different points of that journey, then yes, let's do communion. Do y'all understand when I say that? You know, sometimes we can just do things and we do them wrong. Um, but scripture is very clear, you know, like it's reserved for the believer. But I love that we have people who show up who hadn't said, hey, like, this is a weird statement. <laughs> you know, this is when you, they show only the clip and they don't have the context for what I'm about to say. I love that we have people that show up who uh, hadn't said yes to Jesus yet. I'm like, what kind of church is that if they only posted that clip online? <laughs> you know, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> But what I'm saying is that this is a space where you feel it's safe for you to be here without the fear of judgment and condemnation. And you're not going to find that here because that's not who God is. And in essence, that's not who we're going to be. But you're a place that you can literally belong. That's why it says belong, believe, become. You could belong first before you believe. And it may take you a minute to believe. But you can still keep coming. Ultimately, until you believe. 
and then ultimately to become who God desires us to be. Uh, so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give that opportunity for those who may uh, be ready to respond. And if you're not it, please don't raise your hand because I said all of that. No, 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 please don't do that.